most of you won't be able to see this, but Brianna is absolutely lit up. And so I do think that to have you on to interview you about literacy and speech language pathology is one thing. But the second thing is, and as you know, Brianna, I am all about watching people and encouraging people to step into the place in the world that's made for them. It's a process. When you see somebody and they're like, they seem to really be reaching and striving for their goals and they seem to be really living authentically to who they are, that's a process. You're so lit up and passionate while you talk about this, which is super special. But the other part that I love about this conversation is we're peeling a little bit back on the process of what got you there. Hello, hi, I'm Erin Vandeven. Thanks for joining me today. This is Medium Lady Talks. This podcast is about figuring out the medium effort way to get the most out of life today. I hope the things I unpack here can role model and invite you to sort out your own ways to live life in the present. This is a show about experimenting to get closer to what matters most. I'm glad you're here, so let's settle in. Hello, hi, and welcome to Medium Lady Talks. I'm your host, Erin, and this is episode 77. Today, I am really thrilled to have a special guest to the podcast. Brianna Guild is here today to chat with us about all kinds of things, all kinds of things about literacy and learning and reading, and this is going to be a really, really fun chat today. Brianna, welcome to Medium Lady Talks. Thanks so much for having me, Erin. Brianna is a registered speech and language pathologist in Ontario. She works as private practice SLP, which is going to be the short form that we use to say speech language pathologist. And Brianna has been providing services virtually full time since 2020, which a lot of people have probably pivoted to full time virtual since 2020. I will love to hear more about what the experience is like delivering this kind of therapy virtually. And Brianna, you provide a range of speech therapy services, but you are very interested in literacy. A lot of what you share on your Instagram page are really fascinating and engaging content for parents of kids who are at early reader stage. Uh, Brianna, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit more about what you do, what you're all about, and um, help the audience get to know you a little bit. So like you said, I am a private practice SLP. So that's my full-time job. And then I also have a small business SLP literacy corner where I sell the educational literacy materials that I make for my own clients. So I share those with other educators and parents and homeschool parents, really whoever needs them. We know each other personally. You're the sister of my brother-in-law. Does that yep. <laughs> makes you, I guess, an honorary sister-in-law? So uh, my sister Judith is married to Brianna's brother, Brandon. And so we have been getting to know each other through that family connection. But today what we're going to talk about, I'm excited. I'm excited to kind of get to know you a little bit more um, on this level. And I know the Medium Lady audience will enjoy hearing, especially because a lot of the folks who listen to the podcast are readers. A lot of the content I have created in the past is all about reading as an adult. But recently, I've launched Medium Lady Reads with my colleague Jillian O'Keefe. And Jillian and I are creating exclusively book content on that podcast. Now, what's interesting about that is how much we take for granted as book lovers the fact that we can read mm-hmm. and the fact that we learn to read and we probably actually evolved the skill of reading through different iterations of life. Brianna, I'd love to learn about your own journey to learn how to read. Yeah, so I actually have very vivid memories about learning how to read. My parents always read to me growing up 
And I definitely had those like favorite books that my parents had read to me so many times that I could sit there and it would look like I was reading the book. (laughs) But honestly, I had no idea how to read. I remember in grade one, we had these really colorful bins of leveled books like A, B, C, and so on. Are you familiar with that leveling system in school? I don't know if I remember that. And I'll be honest with you, I went to a French immersion school. Okay. So it was probably unlikely that we had the similar sort of like early learn, early reading experience. I think it was probably very different from a French immersion perspective. But I'm going to think more about that question while you tell me more. Okay, yeah, I, I don't know about French immersion. So that is a really good point. So I remember we had those colorful leveled bins and my friends were moving up in the levels in the bins and I wasn't. I just had no idea how to read the words in these books. And then I remember being taught to look at the pictures to help me read. But I've always been a very logical person. I need to understand the why, the reason behind things. Things need to make sense for me. And looking at the pictures to figure out the words just never made sense to me. (laughs) I wanted to know how to read the words. And I remember another strategy my grade one teacher used was she cut out like these little windows for me out of paper. Uh And I would move them across the sentence to help me focus on one word at a time. But I still didn't know what each of those words said. Yeah. I knew the letters but not what words those letters made. And then by grade two, I don't think I had made much progress with reading because I remember specifically at a parent-teacher interview, my grade two teacher telling my parents right in front of me that I couldn't read. Wow. Oh, and I just felt crushed. I felt like I was trying and I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I think I've been a perfectionist my whole life. So hearing that I couldn't do something was just crutching for me. And I did, I did feel like I was trying, but I just didn't understand how to read. So sometime after that, it was my mom who went with me to a Scholastics store, I think. And she bought these phonics flashcards and some workbooks, I think. And we would do these flashcard drills. And she taught me what sounds all the letters represented. She really helped me to sound out words and crack that code. Yeah. And that's when reading finally started making sense to me. Wow. I am so like connected to that story and that little Brianna and that grade two student. My son Henry right now just finished grade two. Henry has a very interesting story of how he learned how to read. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I'll share that as an aside. So Henry hit junior kindergarten in 2019 And so in March of 2020, he was pulled out of kindergarten, junior kindergarten. And much of his senior kindergarten experience was also kind of cut and paste because of the pandemic as the pandemic increased. And then once vaccinations kind of hit in that summer of 2021, he started having a more routine school. But by then he was heading into grade one. And our kindergarten teachers did such an amazing job during that time. But we had access to things that are now sort of like the technological equivalent of what your mom bought at the Scholastic store, which are phonetic, engaging, phonetic programs. They're games, basically. They're games that sort of teach kids how to read. And so, of course, I was trying to 
parent and lead Henry through this program. But really, I also had an infant and I had William, who was in grade one, who also needed probably what I thought was like, it's JK, you'll be fine. And William needed a little bit more like on task management and support and engagement and feedback. Mm -hmm. So Henry's playing along and it's called ABC Kids and it was shared by the school. And Henry's playing along and it was so annoying to listen to (laughs) because it was like, ver, ver, coal, coal. And then it would just keep doing these sounds that my husband and I started going coal and we started (laughs) feeling so annoyed. And then after like, it must have just been a week of this, Henry turns to me and he goes, wait, mom, is reading just making the sounds of the letters? And he's not even five years old because it's junior kindergarten. (laughs) And I go, well, yeah, like that's part of it. Yeah, it's just and he goes, well, I can do that. And the kid started reading like 500 words. He, He adapted to read in like in like a blink of an eye. So when we went back to school, the kindergarten teacher was like, well, you're a better teacher than I can. Henry's reading at like a grade two level. And I said, honestly, he just recognized that reading is making the sounds of the letters. And that ever since then, Henry reads chapter books. He's probably on pace with my son, William, who's 10. They're both very good readers, thankfully. But I also feel like I had no hand in how he learned how to do that. Um, because it was a stressful period of our lives. I wasn't reading out loud to him as much as I had to William. I didn't have as much time for him, and he was spending a lot of time with technology. I mean, like, thank goodness it all worked out. And I feel so grateful for the accessibility to that program, because I would imagine that for your mom to A, know about Scholastic, B, have the time to go to the store with you, C, then have the time to or the means to purchase the equipment, and then D, the education and know-how to make her way through those educational, you know, tools with you. That's all like a lot of conception, planning, execution to help you learn to read. I feel like the accessibility has totally changed since then. Wow, that's a, yeah, what a really good point when you break it down like that, Erin. There was a lot there that she did that I didn't maybe fully consider. Yeah, and she probably didn't either. She's just being a mom, right? She was just saying mm-hmm. to you, like, this is what Brianna needs, and I'm going to figure out how to do it. You know, maybe she called other mom friends or or what have you, and, like, you know, she just kind of... And I probably bet for her, she felt for you when your teacher said, Brianna can't read. Because that's how I felt when you tell that story, is I imagine being a mom and having Henry here, a teacher, with a little bit, with not enough of a cushion, not enough mm-hmm. empathy to say to say that to my my kid, you know. So yeah. Anyway, I hope that wasn't a major tangent, but no, that was great. I love hearing <laughs> other people's stories. And what I was just gonna say about Henry. So what Henry figured out is the alphabetic principle, knowing that a letter represents a sound. He made that connection. He figured out the alphabetic principle. He was able to sound out and read the words. Yeah, the alphabetic principle. Mm-hmm. No way. Okay, so go figure all these things have. I mean, I come from this generation and I think it's probably more the the like jingle of like the hooked on phonics, you know, like hooked on phonics worked for me. I don't even know what hooked on phonics is, but is that the same thing? So there is quite the history of literacy instruction in schools. I had the misfortune of starting school in the late 90s when balanced literacy and the whole leveled books and three queuing system. We'll talk more about this later, but that's kind of what had taken over. 
That's why I didn't get that explicit phonics instruction that you actually might have gotten, Erin, because you would have been in school before me, so you might have had more of a phonics approach than I did. Wow. So is it coming full circle? Is it going back to phonics? Or the alphabet principle is a, is a, is a better iteration of phonics, perhaps? So yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk more about this because there's a lot, there's a lot to say about, um, the new updates, especially to the Ontario language curriculum. So, um, most of you won't be able to see this, but Brianna is absolutely lit up. And so I do think that to have you on to interview you about literacy and speech language pathology is one thing. But the second thing is, and as you know, Brianna, I am all about watching people and encouraging people to step into the place in the world that's made for them. And I'm trying to role model how I'm doing that. It's a process. When you see somebody and they're like, they seem to really be reaching and striving for their goals and they seem to be really living authentically to who they are, that's a process. And so what we're doing is you're so lit up and passionate while you talk about this which is super special. But the other part that I love about this conversation is we're peeling a little bit back on the process of what got you there. Mm -hmm. When I learned to read, it was actually not similar, but not dissimilar to Henry. I was born in 1983. My parents were very young when they had me. They were both 23 and 24. And my dad would read to me from National Geographic and my mom would read to me basically anything that I wanted. And my dad, every time he turned the page of National Geographic, I don't know if you have ever seen a National Geographic. Yep, I have. They had very high, I don't even know how to say this, like a tall caps to introduce the paragraph. Mm -hmm. And he would say, what letter is that? And I'd say, oh, that's letter N. And then he'd read a little bit. He'd say, oh, this is about the whale and whatever. Then he'd turn the page and he'd say, what letter is that? Oh, it's an O. And I have vivid memories of sitting on my dad's lap. I must have been three while he read National Geographic. The other thing my mom did was probably like the DIY version of your mom's scholastic like flashcards and things or like the instructional tools is she had like a photo album with pictures cut out from a magazine and words like baby, words like um, juice, words, all kinds of things. And that was very much a sort of like picture to word association. Mm -hmm. And I... I'm really attuned to memorization. I'm still pretty attuned to memorization. And I would memorize the patterns of words over time. My parents were avid library goers. So there was all of that books on tape. So books on tape for me became kind of like my addiction, like an iPad. I loved listening to books on tape. I had my own little cassette player. I would put in the cassette, I would put in my headphones, and I would read the books on tape. And I also associated memorization as I listened to somebody reading to me. And so I did learn to read at a very early age. And I have a funny memory of going to a friend's house. I was in, I was five. I went to a friend's house and my friend said, mommy, Erin can read. And her mom said, oh, no, she can't. No, you're too little. You can't read. And my friend said, she can, she can read. And I was super like, well, if you say I can't, I'm not going to like, you know, (laughs) another child would have been like, oh, heck yes, I can. And on their wall, they had wallpaper that said home is where the heart is. So her mom points to her wallpaper and says, what does the wallpaper say? And I said, home is where the heart is. I remember her blood drained from her face. And I think she felt terrible. Yeah, because she said you couldn't read. (laughs) Apologizing profusely to this five-year-old. And I was embarrassed for her embarrassment. I had this, like, 
I was too empathetic as a young child. Anyway, so that's kind of how I remember learning to read. And um, but, you know, the unique thing as a parent is that your kids come at it so differently. And even the way I tell my story, the way I hear your story, the way I hear Henry's story, it's all getting to the same destination from very, very different starting points. Mm -hmm. And don't we take that for granted when we're reading? Mm -hmm. When I'm reading and talking about books, I don't think for one minute about how I got to the place where I can read. I truly, completely take it for granted. Mm -hmm. And I read at least an hour a day. Reading is like such a lovely way that I spend time. Agreed. So... I was just going to say, because you started talking about your childhood and books, and I remember the first books that I actually enjoyed trying to read was the Junabid Jones series by Barbara Park. Yeah. So my mom would take turns reading the pages with me so I didn't get too frustrated and I could still enjoy the story, but yeah. she would have me try to read through one of the pages and help me out. And in your Medium Lady Reads episode, the books that made us readers, yeah, um, you and Jillian were talking about books that really stood out in your reading journeys. I was immediately like, oh, Junie B. Jones was definitely that book for me in childhood. Oh my God, I love that. I love that you're sharing that. So once I figured out how to read, I, I think I was probably caught up to whatever grade level expectations were by like grade three or four. And I, I'd like to point out that I, I've never had any diagnoses or an IEP, an individualized education plan. I went on to be quite academically inclined, enjoyed school, gotten my master's degree. I'm a nerd and proud, but <laughs> I was just one of those kids who needed some explicit instruction to learn how to read. And like you said, everyone's journey is so different and how we learn to read, how, how each person learns how to read, we need that specific instruction, which we'll get into more. Mm. So I think that it's so important that you share from your own authentic space how you learn to read, because I think people might make those assumptions based on where you are today. You know, now you're a speech language pathologist. What was the journey from being someone who has vivid memories of struggling to learn to read to someone now who's a speech language pathologist? Like, how does that, what's the, what are the dots that connect between A and B? Yeah, so as you can tell from this, I've thought a lot about my own experience with learning how to read, but that's only been more recent since I've become more familiar with literacy instruction. It wasn't like I had trouble learning how to read growing up and I knew immediately I wanted to teach other kids right. how to read. Right. That's just, that's not how it went for me. <laughs> I think once I figured out how to read and write and I was doing well with it and teachers were happy, report card was happy, I was happy. I really didn't think about me being a struggling reader again until I started taking literacy training and reflecting on my own personal experience with learning how to read. So I, I did for the longest time want to be a teacher because I loved school and learning. And then it was kind of like an elementary school. I wanted to be an elementary school teacher. In high school, I wanted to be a high school teacher. <laughs> In university, I wanted to be a professor because then I thought, oh, I could teach and do scientific research. Wouldn't that be great? So I had actually never even heard about speech language pathology until my final year of undergrad. I'd never heard the words before. Wow. I was completing my undergraduate degree in biochemistry at the University of Guelph. And I decided 
I didn't want to be a professor or work in a molecular biology lab. And what was I supposed to do with this degree now? <laughs> so I went to a career advisor and she told me that her son was seeing a speech language pathologist and she was telling me about speech language pathology and it just it sounded really great to me. So I started volunteering with other SLPs and I immediately loved how it combined my interests in research and education and healthcare. It was all these things I loved in this profession that I hadn't heard about before because I hadn't met another SLP. So I started volunteering at a few places. There was a private clinic where the owner had developed a reading program for kids with dyslexia. And I specifically remember her saying that reading wasn't something most SLPs worked on. And she wanted me to observe other SLPs in the clinic who were seeing articulation clients and language clients. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I could see more of, I guess, that typical SLP client. Sure. And then I went on to the speech language pathology master's program at the University of Toronto. And I learned more about literacy during my first placement. Mm -hmm. I was at the Peel District School Board here in Ontario. And my clinical educator was an amazing, experienced SLP who had actually been part of developing and implementing this small group reading program for struggling readers that's used at that board. And as students, we got to help her run this reading program. And it was absolutely one of my favorite parts of that placement. So I started noticing this trend of liking the reading side of SLP, even though that isn't maybe the typical area that most SLPs work on. Mm. Can I ask a question about that? As a nurse, I knew very early on in my nursing career that I wanted to work with children exclusively. And I had a lot of messages that you can specialize after you generalize. How did you navigate that kind of messaging while you sort of fell in love with speech language pathology and literacy? So SLP is very much the same. Our two-year master's program, we are trained to be generalists. Our first year is pediatrics. Our second year is adult population. And I knew I had to learn all of it and I enjoyed all my other placements, but I knew my heart was with pediatrics and specifically literacy. I guess beyond pediatrics, because I work with kids from kindergarten to high school now. Mm -hmm. um, so, but just, I guess the kind of younger end of, of life. Yep. Um, so I guess, how did I navigate it? I just... I knew that I was interested in learning about all of the things, but that there would be a time when I could focus on what I wanted. Mm. So when I graduated from school, um, well, I graduated from speech language pathology in 2019, and I started working for a private practice. One of the many benefits, in my opinion, of private practice is the diverse client caseload. And I knew that I really liked working with literacy clients. It was an area I was interested in and I wanted to learn more about. So I started taking more training and workshops and telling my boss that I wanted more literacy clients. So I do still see a range of articulation and language, but the majority of my caseload at this time is literacy. So I did kind of get to narrow down into what my interests were. So you've just you know, continue to know that that space in the world is made for you and you continue to kind of just step and ladder into it while also acknowledging that 
there's lots of ways to learn and grow that might not necessarily be specifically the sweet spot of the place in the world that's made for you, but might be like adjacent or like holding hands with the place. <laughs> you know, it's like the field, the field beside the place. <laughs> yeah, it's it's difficult as an SLP because our scope of practice is so broad. Right. And I do like so many of the different areas, but from my perspective, and this is probably also the perfectionist in me speaking, I'd rather be like really good at a couple different treatment areas than be able to help anybody with anything mm-hmm. and feel like I'm I'm doing the best I can. I don't know. That's that's probably just me, but I do like to kind of narrow down. So let's talk a little bit about SLP Literacy Corner, because that is you claiming your space for yourself. I'd love to learn more about your business. So I feel like this is going to start like a lot of these different conversations you've had on the podcast where (laughs) I'm going to say, so the pandemic hit. (laughs) That's honestly, that's like, if I were to rename my podcast, I mean, I love Medium Lady and Medium Lady Talks, but I would call it and then the pandemic happened or and then the pandemic hit because so many guests bring that that singular phrase. So that's great. Tell me what happened when the pandemic hit. (laughs) So I'm in that club there. I had only been working as a full-time SLP in person for six months, which is actually the length of our mentorship period in Ontario for SLPs. So you graduate, there's a six-month mentorship where you're closely mentored by another SLP and there's a whole process involved. And then you're kind of, okay, now you're free to be on your own. And there's still a lot of touch base and support and all that. But literally the six month ended and then the pandemic hit. So <laughs> thankfully I have a wonderful mentor. She was still always super supportive and we still talk regularly. But I quickly had to transition into working virtually full time as we all did. I don't have my own kids. I was working virtually full time and suddenly I had a lot more free time. I didn't have to commute. My caseload wasn't as large when we first switched over. People weren't sure if they really wanted to try the virtual speech therapy thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I started using my time to create my own material for my clients. And I also started an Instagram account, SLP Literacy Corner, in December of 2020 to share what I was doing in my virtual sessions and connect with other SLPs and educators, you might say my like-minded individuals. (laughs) And then in March of 2021, that's when I launched my SLP Literacy Corner Store on Teachers Paid Teachers. If you're not familiar with Teachers Paid Teachers, I describe it as like an Etsy for education. It's an online marketplace where teachers and other educators buy and sell educational materials that they've created, usually digital downloads. So that's my Etsy for education if you're not familiar with Teachers Pay Teachers. That's fantastic. Is that in Ontario only? No, it's like a website globally. So it's actually, everything's in American dollars. It is based out of the States, Um, but it's used by educators worldwide. Um, And I would say in education, it's probably like, If there's any teachers listening, they probably know what Teachers Pay Teachers is. They probably use materials from there. That's wonderful. Not just teachers. Yeah, any educators, like SLPs are on there, occupational therapists, all these different, anyone kind of in that field of education. 
Um, a lot of art on there as well too, like coloring and stuff like that. Personally, I decided to start sharing my materials because I was thinking if I needed to make all these materials for my clients, then maybe there's other SLPs, teachers, literacy tutors who might need these materials too, and maybe they don't have the time that I do to make them, so I can help out by sharing them. And my mission with SLP Literacy Corner became to support other busy educators by creating resources and sharing activity ideas like I do on Instagram that are aligned with the current research for reading. And I also purposefully create low prep resources that can be used for both virtual or in person mm -hmm. and with students of all ages. Because like I said, I work with clients from kindergarten to high school, so I really need materials that are versatile and age appropriate for a wide range of clients. Amazing. You know, Brianna, you're such a driven and passionate person. And I think that you've called it perfectionism, but I'm also seeing you are really someone who's very inclined to service, but you are inclined to service and very ambitious. You've taken SLP Literacy Corner really far in a you know, a really short period of time. How did you decide on your goals? How did you decide to, you know, kind of shoot for the stars? Well, um, it's all kind of, I don't know if there were specific goals that I had set for myself, but there was kind of a path that I imagined taking. Mm. And honestly, what set a lot of it in motion was when you had Dana from Three Crowns Studio on your podcast Dana does brand photo shoots and websites, and I wouldn't have known otherwise, to be honest, how to contact somebody like that. But when I heard about her from your podcast, I was like, oh, I'll get in touch with Dana. And Dana this year, at the beginning of the year, did my brand photo shoot, created a website for me for SLP Literacy Corner. So shout out to Dana and thank you, Erin, for that connection. That's definitely what snowballed all of the growth this year. I'm on. I'm being honest. I'm so thrilled to hear that. And Dana is a tremendous, tremendous friend. Uh, she has two episodes. I think they're from season two. I'll link them in the show notes. That's amazing. That's amazing. Tell me more about that. So once we had the brand shoot done and the website... I decided that I also wanted to send out weekly emails and kind of build my SLP Literacy Corner community that way and do an email newsletter. So in that newsletter, I share any new resources that I've created and then different freebies and trainings and books that I've read, just really sharing the things that I'm using right now, hopefully to inspire and give other people some ideas and things to look at. And then I went on another podcast called SLP Corner, and we talked about all things literacy instruction, really specific more to helping out other SLPs with their literacy sessions. And then I gave a literacy presentation to a team of private practice SLPs. I really love talking, big shocker, <laughs> and presenting. So that was really great. I'm hoping to get into doing more professional development for other educators and SLPs. And I've also been collaborating with more of my SLP Instagram friends. So really just, it's all kind of snowballed. Like 
one thing led to another and then I'd set another goal for myself because of someone I would meet and then we would make that happen. And yeah, it's been a really good year for SLP Literacy Corner. I do feel like all the things I kind of had in mind that, oh, it would be nice if I did these things this year, I actually ended up with most of them done by June. So like the halfway mark. So that was great. Wow. With all of that success and all of that celebration, you've you've put in your notes, you want to talk about your mom a little bit? Mm-hmm. So I did want to kind of put a little side note here because I do feel like people just see the successes, right? On Instagram, yeah. we show a lot of the at the end result of things and not the kind of journey or the process all the time. So my mom did pass away recently in December of 20. What are we at? 2022 is when she passed away. So that's been a really, really difficult time for me and my family. And it also kind of motivated me in a way of like, life is really short. And if I want to do these things, I have to go out there and do them and just make them happen and not just writing them down or hoping that they're going to happen, but doing the things that I need to do in order to make my dreams come true, so to speak. And kind of holding that place of like, knowing how proud my mom would be for me. And it um, it definitely sucks that she's not here in person to celebrate all these successes. I'm still working through that of like, every time there are these big wins and I say things like, oh, I've accomplished all these goals for SLP Literacy Corner halfway through the year, but the next part in my brain is always saying, but my mom wasn't here for it. So it still kind of sucks. So even though there's like all this happy, there can still be sad at the same time. And yeah, I think I just want other people out there to know too, if you're listening and you're grieving or you're going through other things while you're having all these successes that it's okay to be happy and sad or happy and grieving at the same time that we can have space for, for both of those. That's so beautifully put. I know there's someone listening who needs to hear that. And I think people may also need to hear the permission to pursue your goals through grief. Mm -hmm. I think that's not something that a lot of people perhaps feel that if they if they pursue things while they're experiencing that tremendous sadness, you know, and, and they make everything look okay on the outside. How are they showing up for that sad part of themselves? How are they, are they denying the grieving side of themselves? Did you feel like, you know, reconciling the part that sucks with the celebrations didn't deter you from seeking out more, more to achieve and more to grow? Things happened organically, but you're a very ambitious person. Yes. Yes to both of those. I am ambitious, but things were happening organically, and I think that might be part of why I was comfortable with these big steps too was because it was it felt like it was natural and it, it felt like the right time and the right people that I was meeting that were part of this process. Mm. Um, but I, I am also somebody who at times was using this as a way to kind of put, let's put my grief in a box and let's focus on SLP Literacy Corner and focus on the things that I do have control over and that I can contribute to because because I can't change what happened with my mom and um, I don't always want to dwell on that for, for too long because it does make me incredibly sad. So there are times when I choose to 
put that in a box and we'll come back to it when I'm when I'm ready. And right now we're going to focus on whatever it is. For me, sometimes it's SLP Literacy Corner. Mm-hmm. But for you, you do link your grief and your accomplishments. You feel there's a connection between the two of them? In a way, I, I think so. Yeah, I think that so there's some, there's definitely a connection there. Like I, I don't, I mean, it's always hard to say how would things be different or change. So I don't really know. I just know that this is the way that things have gone. Yeah. But I am really thankful for SLP Literacy Corner, that community that I'm growing, the connection and that kind of creative outlet for me. I think it's, it has been a big part of me finding the, like you said, finding that place in the world that's meant for me. And SLP Literacy Corner is a large part of that. And I have been really open with my community about the loss of my mom. And I just try to be open and honest about kind of what's happening there too, because sometimes I think we can be quite reserved and I respect that totally, but I, I do kind of want to role model that it's okay to be grieving and to be going forward with your small business or your whatever it is, um, that both things can coexist. Yeah. Well, I know that we are so proud of you. I know your big brother is so proud of you. I know my sister is so proud of you. And I myself, by extension of all that, we, we just are like your first number one fans and we just watch you with shining eyes. And I'm really happy to introduce you to the medium lady community today because I, I know the one thing is Brianna just wins the hearts and minds of the people who spend time with her because she just has a really authentic infectious energy and I will be honest Brianna when you reached out and you said what do you think about this idea for a podcast I thought huh SLP but it's it's absolutely a perfect match a perfect perfect match and um this conversation is going to totally resonate with the medium lady community whether you're an SLP whether you're a designer like Dana whether you're a baker whether you're a finance person sharing the process of how we're making space for who we really are and how we're claiming our identities. Mm -hmm. You know, you had to say for yourself, I am a speech language pathologist and business owner, and I run SLP Literacy Corner, which has a mission to provide, you know, low prep, uh, virtual optional resources for busy educators. And nobody gave you the permission to do that. Right. You know, in fact, there were probably a lot of things that said like, oh, you're too young. Oh, it's the pandemic. Oh, you're how are you going to have the capital to start this up? Oh, you're not enough of a generalist. You're specializing too soon. There were a lot of people who might have done the reverse of permission and you might have bought into those messages. A lot of people do. A lot of people said, well, nobody nobody told me I could. So I figured I couldn't. Hmm. And uh, I think it's really important for people to hear all the different ways that people can get themselves to living authentically with an identity that you claim for yourself. Yeah. You know, we could say, oh, I'm a mom. I'm a daughter. I'm a boss. I'm a I'm an SLP. You could even just claim that SLP identity. But it's so important for us to say, you know, this is who I am and this is what I want. And that came from me by me for me. You know, I think it's wonderful. Agreed. There was, on that note, there was a really good prompt that you shared a while back on Instagram. I don't know how long ago this was now. 
It was about finding a common thread in your life. And I think part of you bringing that up was about finding kind of your authentic self. And the prompt was something like, as a kid, I, and now I. Mm -hmm. And when I reflected on that prompt, I thought about how as a kid, I loved to play school and make workbooks with different activities, like <laughs> word searches and fill in the blanks, matching, like all that kind of word game stuff. And I would make them for my family friends. And when they found out I was kind of doing this as a like small business now, they were like, yep, that checks out. She used to make these workbooks for us. Oh my gosh. And yeah, now, now I make literacy materials to share with everyone. Isn't that wonderful? I I can't remember. I think it was Tracy Stanger who shared that. And then I just riffed off of it. I don't know what I shared when I shared that. But the thing I thought of was I used to play school too, but it was about getting my siblings to sit and listen to me be the teacher. Hilarious. I never once made a workbook for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it was about you be my audience. I'm going to talk and you're going to listen. And now here I am. I have a podcast. But I did used to host talent shows in my backyard and I brought everybody in from the neighborhood to do their talents. And I think it was the talent show because you're saying that now. And I was like, I know that. So you must have shared that. <laughs> so if you're listening right now and you're thinking of as a kid, you used to play around and do something, something. And now as an adult, you can see the connection to whatever. We'd love it if you would DM myself. You can find me at medium.lady or DM Brianna. We'll put Brianna's handle in the chat. At slp.literacy.corner. slp.literacy.corner. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. And you can DM us and let us know, as a kid, you were blank, and now you are blank, so that we can uh, continue the conversation there. If you've loved this conversation with myself and Brianna, I am thrilled to let you know there's part two of our conversation coming up next week, so be sure to be following along. There's all of Brianna's amazing content will be in the show notes of today's episode. Uh, Brianna and I will sign off here, and we will see you again at part two. Bye. Thanks for having me, Erin. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Please make sure to reach out and connect on Instagram with me. I can be found at medium.lady over there. If you have any feedback about today's conversation, you can head to the pink tile in my feed for the latest episode and we can always continue the conversation over there. If you like this podcast, please make sure to share a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you love this podcast, please share it on social media. Be sure to tag me so I can personally thank you for growing our community. Finally, be sure to follow this podcast wherever you're listening and make sure your notifications are on. Don't forget, you're doing such a good job. Bye.